I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. We are finally here. We did it. We made it to the last episode of the year, the last episode of the 2015 Half Hour Intern Awards. Before we get started, I just want to give out some thanks. I have been so overwhelmed with emotion today as I've been preparing this episode. I I just have so, so, so much thanks in my heart and to give out to all of you, like anyone that has ever listened to the show or mentioned it to a friend or written into the show or commented on anything on social media or anything like that. Um, for those of you that don't know about some of my story, which I'll do an episode about this next year sometime, but um, a little bit of my story is that about six months ago, I left my job to pursue doing this podcast full time. It's something that I tried to do a little bit while working my job, um, but I, it just didn't feel right. And I wanted so badly to do this podcast and I wanted so badly to do it right. And I wanted so badly to put my all into it. So I um, have been living off of my savings for the past six months. And it's it's it was a very, very difficult decision to make to leave, leave an income and to just burn through um, my savings so that I could do this podcast, but it's something that I really wanted to do. And it's something that I really, really, really believed in. I, I think I stand behind the idea of the show so much, which is one just to have fun and to learn about cool, fun hobbies and jobs and stuff like that. Um, two is just learning more about the world around you in general. I love learning about what people are doing and just what's going on in the world and being a little bit more informed about your neighbor, just feeling that that sense of connectedness that knowing more about what other people are doing can provide and kind of making the world feel like a smaller place. And Lastly, I just love hearing story. Some of these stories are so inspiring to me because I had to leave my job to do this. And it's so inspiring to hear stories from other people that set out on their own to just go after these audacious big goals that they had to do something really fun and really cool with their lives. And they did it. And it's so, so refreshing and awesome to hear stories of people like that, that love what they do for a living and that went for it and achieved it. And these are not, these are not remarkable people that get a lot of recognition in other places. These are not um, like quote unquote experts in their fields or, or whatever it may be. These are just everyday regular people that otherwise wouldn't really be getting interviewed, but they deserve to be interviewed because there are so many everyday regular people that are so remarkable in their own right and have so much to say. And it just, they open up so beautifully when they come here on the show. And I absolutely love that. And that's so inspiring to me. I, um, I also would like to give out a couple particular specific thanks. Uh, one is to my sound guy, Frank Leon, who is like the man behind the curtain that gets no thanks ever. Um, he, I could absolutely not have done this show without him. I, it, I can't tell you how long it would take me to try to edit these things sound wise. And my friend Frank, who I've known since childhood, stepped in and is doing it for free. And 
it it, it honestly means the world to me to have a um you know a decent sounding show and frank makes that happen um and he can do it so quickly and so efficiently and he's just the man so uh big thanks to frank and then as well i wanted to thank a couple of you guys specifically so one i want to give a shout out to dasha Kavarina. i assume that's how you say it i believe that you are russian you'll have to email me and, and let me know if i'm correct in that but uh Dasha has been writing in emails with like suggestion after suggestion of different things that she wants to hear about. And I love that so, so, so much that she's involved in trying to, and she, she believes in this idea like how I do. And she wants to hear about these different things. And I just love that. And then as well at vinyl coast on Twitter has been writing me with lots of different things that he wants to hear about. And then will give me feedback on different episodes and stuff. And I love that so much. Um, as you guys could imagine having left my job to do this and everything, it, it just, it means the world to me to get any contact from anyone um, be that on social media or email or whatever it is it's so awesome when anything like that happens so uh, enough with the mushy stuff let's get on to the award ceremony so today's awards will be for kind of the most passionate so the person that kind of most passionately pleaded their case for their career or their hobby and um like some of the other awards, these were very difficult to decide because everyone that comes on the show is really passionate about what they do. So um, I'll kind of go over my my reasoning for choosing the people and why I gave them this award of most passionate. But before we get to that, just one last final audio montage of some of our favorite clips from throughout the year. You know, the universe works in mysterious ways. I really believe when you're passionate and you are putting your energy, you want to put your energy towards a good purpose, things shift around and magic can happen. I really, I believe that completely. But, you know, I guess that happens when, you know, you're standing on top of an object and, you know, maybe in the next 10 seconds, you you might not be living anymore. Yeah, you have to really want to do what you're doing. And life's so freaking short that it's like, why not put your all into something that makes you happy? If you can become successful with it, then that's great. If you can just survive, then that's awesome too. Yeah, I mean, a free concert tickets, free festival tickets. Yeah. My boss got me a Vitamix for Christmas, like an iPad wow. for my birthday. Wow. You know what I mean? Birthday and Christmas, I'm getting something super dope every year. <laughs> Bonuses out of nowhere, like unbelievable kind of setup, but I was miserable. Maybe... Also, people are confused because I um, I don't enunciate very well. And so when I say cheese, I think I say like tees or jeans. And so that's also created a lot of confusion. Like, oh, jeans monger. Yeah, yeah. You know, I work in the jeans shop. I'm a jeans monger. All right. On to the awards. The first award given out will be for most passionate about their hobby. So um, both of the awards, we're going to do two winners for each. And the ones for hobby, as I look at this on the sheet of paper, I'm pretty sure that these actually came out back to back episodes. So I don't know if there's something about that or what. Uh, but the first winner is uh, for the ultra marathon runner. So Ryan is just an awesome human being and ultra marathon running is one of the hardest things I could possibly imagine doing. So the two clips that we'll play here is one where he just talks about some of the long and crazy races that he's run. And then the second clip is where I ask him if he ever thinks about quitting. And he very honestly tells me about how he always thinks about quitting, which is an awesome response. But I just can't imagine the amount of everyday 
everyday passion and dedication it takes to uh, keep on doing a hobby like ultra running. Um, and the other winner is Roxana Meta from the cosplay episode. So the two clips that I'll be playing is Roxana's thoughts on Halloween. And if like people from Halloween is just kind of too basic for her in the cosplay world. And then some of her uh, best experiences that she's had while at comic cons or just you know doing cosplay in general roxana was a blast to have on the show she was so nice and so funny and so obviously completely in love with her hobby of cosplay and that's what got her on the most passionate list as well without further ado here are the winners um, so talk to us about what the longest race was that you ever did. And, and I guess some of like the crazier races as well. Are there any races that are really interesting, not necessarily because of their length, but because of some sort of other dynamic in the race? Oh, man, there's uh, there's so much to talk about with that, actually. Um, I mean, some of the most the best races I've done, I did a race in Europe this last summer called the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc. Um, it's 103 miles and it goes all the way around this the biggest mountain in Europe, basically. And uh, it's an unbelievably huge race. You know, there's thousands and thousands of participants and then uh, way, way, way more spectators. It's really wild over there how popular the sport is and just how big those mountains are. And you have to climb like, a, you know, climb a vertical mile multiple times. You know, like the, wow. the, the climbs and descents are huge and really steep. And uh, it's it's just incredible and for like an organized race. It's something like if you're an ultra runner, it's one of those bucket list events that like you just have to try to do. Yeah. And then things like that even aren't races. Things like the which there's some controversy surrounding it, but like the Grand Canyon uh, rim to rim to rim is a route that is really popular among ultra runners that I've done, where you run basically from one side of the Grand Canyon down to the bottom up the other side, and then you come back. <laughs> and so that, <laughs> that one's is like, crazy it's pretty awesome it's like 42 miles and you climb 11,000 feet of vertical that's i should probably explain that a little bit so in uh in ultra running especially in trail running we you know we don't just talk about the mileage of a race or a run you always want to like let people know how much they're going to climb because it can make a huge difference like a flat 40 miles versus one where you climb for instance, 11,000 feet, it'll take a lot more time to do one with all the climbing. Yeah. I could only, I, so I've never had the opportunity to, to hike down into the Grand Canyon, but uh, a friend of mine just did a few months ago and she just hiking out was talking about how she like felt like she was dying just trying mm-hmm. to walk out of the Grand Canyon. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. running up both sides of it in the same day. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit. So like, when I did it, we were we were racing. It was a it's not an organized race. You're not allowed to have an organized race in the Grand Canyon. But there was a handful of uh, guys that went that I went down there with, and so we were trying to break this record. That so there's records kept for these types of things. Uh, we call them FKTs or fastest known times, and uh, so you'll do those on places you can't normally have races. And so just you or by yourself or with a few other people will do it. So that's what we were doing at the Grand Canyon, and. Uh, What's crazy about that is like you'll start at four in the morning or something and it's cool and really nice on top. And then you go down and uh, go across and go to the north room and it's still cool. But when you're coming back up, um, the second big climb getting out of the canyon the second time, like when I did it, it was probably about 100 degrees and you do feel like you might die. It's like truly, <laughs> you know, it's, it truly brings you to the edge. Like I looked at puddles of uh, 
mule piss on the ground and i thought that might be what i'd have to do <laughs> to make sure i got out wow um, that's um, crazy yeah, have you just, ever had a, like a, a scary ha, have you ever actually passed out and like i imagine i mean you guys do ultra running i that's pretty freaking extreme these things you guys are doing i imagine that those type of people like to really 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 push their body and push their limits and i i imagine sometimes you would go over your limit not knowing that you were going over it yeah i mean i've never i mean i've never been in a position that i thought i was going to die but i've definitely i mean yeah for instance i did this one event which i was not successful but there was another trail called the john muir trail which you might have heard of of course yeah. um, in the sierra nevada so that one's a really popular uh we call it another fkt or like a record people try to get and it's 220 miles and uh it's that's what makes it really hard is it's, it takes uh, over three days to break the record but you really don't get to sleep very much so there's uh, a documentary i, I now mm-hmm. i can't uh, what is it mm-hmm. called um about the there's people one, hiking the john muir trail Wow, well, shoot i bet you there's a few of them i know there's a documentary um what is it called it's actually about uh my boss and another runner that just ran the trail um it's by a guy named jb benna uh anyways yeah there's there's probably a few documentaries about it it's just such an iconic trail i will have to check out the running one because so that's what i was just going to say is this documentary and god i i'm so i will have to uh after the show uh, put in the show notes the name of this documentary and uh maybe at, at the intro or something i'll put in the name of this documentary but these people are just hiking the john muir trail and they hiked the John Muir Trail in a month, and it was like difficult there for them to hike it in one month. The idea that you guys are doing this in three days is absurd. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't actually finish it in three days because uh, I made it a hundred, hundred of one hundred of the two hundred and twenty miles, and uh, my knee just stopped working. But I guess what I was going to say about that is like when you try to sleep, you just carry uh, like these tiny little foil blankets, basically. And like a little bit of a jacket, like a tiny little puffy jacket, just most minimal weight. Because you can't carry like a full set of like backpacking gear. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to run because it'd be too heavy. Yeah. So trying to sleep at like 11,000 feet and there's lightning, uh, thunder and lightning storms and it's really cold. And like those are the times I've been like the most, like the closest to being in actual danger of like I'm not making it back but it, you, it's not you know it's not that day i mean it's dangerous but i don't know i've never felt like i was going to die or anything have you ever during any of those times considered giving up the sport well most times i, I think i always think about giving up the sport when things <laughs> get really bad like the the mental lows that you go through and some of these like exceptionally long uh runs and races like you always think about quitting <laughs> um because it just gets that hard it gets that bad sometimes where everything hurt you know everything hurts and you just don't know why you made yourself do this but somehow like usually a day or two later you you forget like we have this ability to instantly forget all the bad stuff and kind of remember the good stuff and then you plan the next thing uh so yeah i have thought about quitting i'm every i'm sure everybody has that yeah. does those but you forget so what do you think about Halloween? Are you walking around at Halloween just like, look at all these basic <laughs> bitches everywhere. What is going on? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, the reason I cosplay is because I was so obsessed with Halloween. 
So, <laughs> so, uh, no, I, you know, I don't, I don't downplay that, uh, at all. I got real, I was the person who was really, really into making my Halloween costume. Yeah. Um, and when I found out that there is like, there's, there's more you can do with your Halloween costume. Like you don't have to wear it once a year. You can wear it to a convention. You can, yeah, do photo shoots. Um, that was what really kind of hooked me. So, uh, so Halloween is the gateway drug. Man. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For sure. But I mean, sure, I have my moments where I look around and go like, oh, I would have constructed that better. Or <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was cool, actually. Um, at work this year, I got to uh, judge the work costume contest for Halloween. So, oh, dude, that's awesome. So it's definitely meshed together in ways that are really fun. Did people there know that you did cosplay? Is that why yes. you put your name forward? Or okay. uh, Yes. No, they, they asked me to. Um, I was a little bit embarrassed because they were um, starting a, there was going to be a Halloween costume contest in the office. And my coworker said, oh, well, we have to have two categories because, you know, the people who are amateurs need to have their own category because otherwise they're going to be too scared to costume with you. Yeah. And I was just like, that is like both the sweetest thing. Like, it's a complete compliment, but also like, no, that's not, that's not. You don't have to, you don't have to be intimidated. And I'm, you know, I'm, I have a lot to learn still. So yeah. well, there's a, a lot to be moment. said still for, for creativity as opposed to just execution, absolutely. you know? Absolutely. So that was a funny moment. Yeah. Has there been any like really unique experience where, um, that, that getting into cosplay, it kind of invited into your life? Yeah, for sure. Uh, two things. First of all, getting to meet the creators of the characters is amazing. Um, a lot of particularly comic creators are really, really supportive of cosplayers and of the cosplay community. And I have met so many amazing people and people that I'm huge fans of because I'm dressed up in costume. Um, uh, you know, in comics, um, Amanda Connor is one of my favorite DC artists. And I was able to meet her in costume as Black Canary, who's a character that she has drawn many times. And like, she is the one who like, she got out of her booth to come take a picture of me. You know, Whoa. like those moments you could not experience if you weren't in cosplay. I think, you know, you stand out from the crowd in a way that is um, really, I think, really gratifying for the creators. And and also for for actors who portray certain characters, like to see themselves mirrored in a cosplayer is, I think, a really amazing experience. It's um, cool I because think, you can tell how cool the experience is on both sides. You know, yes. it's not like just one person is being really gratified by the experience. Both people are yes. having this equally high point. Oh, my gosh. OK, I'm like fanning my hand in front of my face again. Like, OK, I have to tell you this one story. So I was at Comic-Con one year, uh, the very first year that Game of Thrones was on HBO and I had dressed as Daenerys Targaryen. And um, that was definitely one of those like last minute costumes. Like, I'm so I'm so inspired. I have to make it. So I like I worked for a week straight and made this costume from scratch. Um, and I happened to be in the right place at the right time when at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, George R. R. Martin and a lot of the characters, uh, the cast from the show, were coming to do a big signing. Er, and, you know, to get Ermagerd, <laughs> like to get tickets to a signing, like you have to plan ahead, and you know that's its own thing. And I didn't have tickets, but I, but I happened to be just like at the edge of the crowd when all of the actors and George R. R. Martin filed out into their seats, and uh, George R. R. Martin caught sight of me first, and he gave me the thumbs up, and he like smiled and waved at me. And then um, the actor who plays Jamie Lannister caught sight of me 
And he nudged the person next to him. I think it was Tyrion Lannister and Tyrion Lannister nudged Cersei Lannister and like Arya Stark. And like they were like nudging each other all down the table until they got to Daenerys Targaryen, Amelia Clark, who who is the actress who portrays Daenerys Targaryen. Um, and they like nudged her and pointed to me. And I've <laughs> like I've. I, you know, probably she hadn't really seen any cosplayers. This was early on. She probably hadn't seen that many cosplayers of the character. And her whole face just lit up. It was like Christmas morning. And oh like, she just God. like smiles at me. And I can see her like, she's pretty far away from me, but I can see her mouth. You look beautiful. And like, and I think I, I think I mouthed back like, thank you so much. And I blew her a kiss. And like, like there's that. That's the coolest I would thing never, I've ever. You know, I would never have that life. experience, and unless I was in costume, you should have maybe just killed yourself right after I that. Know, that I it's know. all downhill after that. <laughs> like I still. Daenerys Stormborn is the most yeah. beautiful woman on the she, face of the planet. Oh my god, that smile! Like I could have melted. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't melt right there. And you had Jamie like, Lannister right there. I mean, I'm you've like, got it going them. on. They were like all like nudging each other and like pointing to me. Yeah. Oh my god. Except for seriously, did you just be like? Did you just like scrunch hey, your nose up? And she is really and sweet. Like, actually, that actress is very sweet. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, that's such an awesome story with the whole cast from Game of Thrones. It's funny because Roxana actually came over to my house to to my office in San Francisco to do the interview in person and on my wall right next to us I have uh, the entire wall is covered up with all these individual character photos of the Game of Thrones characters and they're drawn like cartoon style like kind of like they grew up in the 90s or something Um, like all these Game of Thrones characters in the 90s they're absolutely awesome I I found them on Etsy so if you can still find them just type in like 90s Game of Thrones they're some of the coolest things in the world but uh, anyways it was just so funny that she went on to go and tell this story with the whole entire cast of Game of Thrones. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here like a total nerd with these uh, photos of them on my wall. All right. So on to the awards for most passionate about their career. So the first award is going to be going to Lucy Graves from the musician episode. So Lucy was the second musician that I had on the show. And she was really interesting because she is more or less like a backup musician she also does some ghostwriting and stuff like that but uh she mainly is a backup musician for grammy award winner prince board and then also for CeeLo green who is obviously crazy freaking famous so she gets to play in these incredible venues in front of so 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 many people um but playing keys and singing um behind CeeLo and playing keys and singing behind prince board so we talk a lot about that in the episode any of these episodes today i obviously highly recommend going back and listening to the entire thing if you haven't heard them but the uh the two clips that we play from her episode one is uh from from the time that she met prince board and she goes over that whole story of how that'll happen which is pretty interesting and then what it's like going back and forth from being famous to not famous because when she's on tour she lives the lifestyle a little bit of a famous person and is doing all these famous things with CeeLo and then immediately has to go back to being not famous when she's off tour so it talks about um, how it's kind of like you know the whole Superman Clark Kent thing The next episode that got the award is the Marine Mammal Veterinarian episode, which was actually the very last episode that we released. So um, the last last episode for the year. So it's apropos that it got an award. Uh, So the two clips that we will play, one is the the real life dolphin tail story. So uh, the the person that I interviewed, Dr. Julie, was the part was the doctor and part of the team that helped 
um, the dolphin from the Disney movie Dolphin Tales. So she goes over that whole story. And then she goes over some of her most memorable days as a vet and losing her her dog and getting inspired to start her charity for people with pets that get cancer. Um, just a really inspiring story. It really says a lot about her passion for being a vet and why she has all this passion for being a vet. So I thought it was appropriate. Without further ado, here are the winners for most passionate about their career. Went back to New Zealand just to kind of clear my head and I was so ready to just continue doing music there. And then um, I met uh, Prince Board. Uh, he was um, one of the songwriters and producers and keyboard player for the Black Eyed Peas. Okay. He was down in New Zealand working and uh, he saw me playing in a bar. So this is after, so you moved to LA after school, yeah, you yeah. live in LA for a few years, it's not and, really working out, so you okay. move back to New Zealand. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And now he meets you at a bar. And now he meets me in a bar, he sees me playing in a bar, singing and playing, and he comes up afterwards and uh, he's like, okay, so, you know, I'm working here in the studio down the street, I'd love for you to come in. I had no idea who he was. So um that is I'll- so so <laughs> so crazy. That yeah. that's honestly unbelievable. Like yeah. <laughs> the fact that you would basically I I don't want to say give up because obviously you didn't give up because you were still playing in New Zealand, but right. it's like you come all the way over to America to try to get recognized in America and yeah. then you go back and you're just playing in some bar in New Zealand and this yeah. guy who is the, you know, big in the music world just walks right up to you and says, "Hey, come record." Oh yeah. Trust me, when I like found out who he was and what he Done and what he was doing, I was kind of like, oh gosh, I'm a dumbass because I was asked. <laughs> like, we had a conversation, and I was like, oh cool, so you're in music too? And I was like, oh, you play any instruments? And, <laughs> you know, because yeah, because you don't know. Yeah, as a female, if someone approaches you in a bar, you're kind of a little bit wary. You know, like, oh, here's some dude trying to claim his shit, you know? For sure. And I'm sure that that's not the first time that somebody had given you some sort of spiel like, oh, right. I, I think I could totally help you out, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so it was kind of amusing afterwards. I mean, we laugh about it now. Yeah. And um, But, yeah, so I went into the studio and I, I started, I was playing on his project that he was starting to write there. And then I was singing on it and then he found out I wrote and we started writing. Him and his um, team were there. Mm-hmm. And then they flew me to Australia to work with them, writing for some artists there and like six months later, him and his team pretty much were like, you know what, dude, you need to move back to the States. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So after knowing them for like six, eight months, I was like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> I will do whatever you tell me to do right yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, it was, I like, it felt right too, you know, and it, it almost felt like this was the right time rather than before. Yeah, Definitely. So it's interesting yeah. how life works like that. It's like, you know, some maybe some part of you needs to be more prepared, you know, for definitely. whatever it is you're trying to undertake. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you cannot rush anything, no matter how frustrating it is. What is that like as, as, as like when you're on and off tour and stuff? What is it like kind of 
going back and forth from being a famous person to a non-famous person like for for someone like (laughs) CeeLo for example like he just is famous like there's no going back to being not famous like people recognize that dude's face everywhere you know versus you a lot of people don't recognize your face so you get to live this lifestyle you're living basically the same lifestyle as CeeLo while you're touring with him I'm sure that there's like after parties or whatever that you're there and hanging out with famous people and then all of a sudden you're not famous what is that like (laughs) awesome (laughs) (laughs) it's like you're a superhero i am a superhero all i gotta do is go to a telephone booth and change (laughs) um (laughs) no it's great actually um i wouldn't even say that i was famous at all to be honest um you know you get you get to experience what the lifestyle is like for a famous oh yeah yeah definitely and you know what that's it's kind of fun it's it's and I suppose I'm saying that because I'm not in that all the time, but it's like a game, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, right now I'm gonna be this person. Yeah. And I'm gonna experience this life like this. And then no, no, wait, now I'm just gonna go back to normal. You have worked on um some dolphins that were in the movies. Mm-hmm. How, I, I was gonna ask like how that all came about. Like it, the, you are now this like Hollywood <laughs> that I uh, it did it, but I, it sounds like maybe the dolphin you knew the dolphin prior or how did it all work I did so uh, my my career at the time was rescuing and rehabbing which I guess I still do now but the, I was working for an organization that primarily what we did is we responded to um beached beach marine mammals on the southeast coast of Florida and you know I there was a little baby dolphin named winter that my organization responded to well she wasn't named winter at the time she was just a a a baby dolphin in a really bad way and uh she we rescued her and brought her to a rehab facility and worked on her and lo and behold five years later however long it was there she is and (laughs) there's a feature film being made about her and then and then the same thing happened again with another dolphin named hope that was you know we got a call and I have to back up by saying that as glamorous as it as this profession can sound, it is not glamorous. <laughs> and when you're on call, it's going to happen when you're on the way to the movies, when you're just getting to bed, when you're finally sitting down with that glass of wine for the evening, you're going to get a call and it's going to be inconvenient and it's going to be at night, probably in cold and on a holiday. (laughs) Some of the, almost all the major animal rescues that I've been involved in were on birthdays, Christmas, after I hadn't slept for a week. (laughs) So you're saying when you get a call about an animal that's like beached or something like that, that Mm -hmm. you, you have to be part of the team to go and get it. Correct. That, 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 that was my primary job then. And so, so these, you know, the winter, probably one of the most famous dolphins now next to, next to Flipper is, you know, she was one of those dolphins that I helped was involved in the rescue and helped with their transport. And then for your listeners that know about the story, she has the prosthetic tail. And I was a part of that team that helped develop this. And she, you know, it's 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 just kind of weird for me it was weird that here's a major amazing feature of, about my life about something that i was involved in yeah. and then again in in the second film another little baby dolphin named hope same thing and so it's it it was just circumstance that 
these were these were animals I had worked on that I had been involved in, and their stories were were pretty remarkable. That you know Hollywood took notice, and and there you go. <laughs> so, do you so, just work with like the the actors and the director, trying to let them know what's up with your dolphins, or you do you, do they need you around kind of for the entire shoot of the movie to be working with the dolphins as well? Well, what. Uh, for like for the first film, you know, by the time they were they were shooting and, and working on it, you know, Winter's rehab, you know, th- that had already happened. She was already in her her permanent home because when a I'll just back up and say when a when a baby dolphin beaches without its mother it can never be released. It it can't. Wow. It, it has no one to teach them how to survive in the wild. That's how important that bond is. And, and, you know, whereas some animals, they're born and, and they look at their parents, see ya, I don't need you anymore. They can survive. You know, calves, baby dolphins will stay with their, with their mothers for, you know, sometimes up to seven years. And they, they need to learn these things, how to survive, how to hunt, how to, how to work in their social groups. And so a single stranded baby dolphin doesn't have that luxury. And so they, they need they need they need constant care uh what would you say has been like the most rewarding or most memorable day that you've ever had is there anything that sticks out in your mind above others (laughs) oh my gosh just in in my career yeah sorry not in your personal life life. yeah (laughs) in your career in your career in in my career as a dolphin vet or as a veterinarian in general or let's go with a veterinarian in general okay well it was certainly certainly not the best day of my life, but the most memorable and, and it changed my life is when my my own dog, the love of my, my life, who went to vet school with me, I had a dog, a golden retriever rescue named Strider, um, when he was diagnosed with cancer. And it was the first time that I was on the other side of the exam table, if you will. So if you talk to almost any veterinarian, we cannot be vets for our own animals it's nearly impossible yeah basic things you can but um not for you know for something as serious as as cancer or any kind of other you know chronic illness it's it it was it was too much for me and it it was you know we did chemotherapy i took him I, i drove nine hours every three weeks back to my university where he grew up for his treatment, for the best care. And it, you know, it wasn't enough. And to, to be a veterinarian and not be able to save your own animal, it's a pretty, that's, that's tough. It's life changing. And, and when I lost him, it was, it was one of the worst days of, of my life. And I wanted to, I wanted to turn that really sad, horrible thing into something positive and make a change. And I started my own nonprofit for canine cancer to help the people because I realized, you know, I was that moment. I I really understood what it was like to have, you know, an animal going through something so horrible and the grief and, you know, the costs associated just because I'm a veterinarian. I I don't (laughs) I don't get discounts like that. I mean, it's expensive, but yeah. you know, I, I, it was, it was really, it was life changing because it, you know, for one, it was like losing a child. 
I mean, I'm, this was over five years ago. I, I still grieve every day for that dog, but it also, that animal inspires me every single day to be a better veterinarian, to help people, to, to help the animals and, and understand, you know, really understand what it is, what it is these animals are going through, but also the people that love them. And that can go across all species, you know, whether you're taking care of a whale or a seahorse or a cat or a dog, you know, there's the, the human animal bond is very powerful. And um, for me, it was, you know, the worst day of my life, but it also, you know, inspired me to, you know, live up to that, live up to the, be the person that my dog thought I was. That's it for the awards. That's it for 2015. Thank you all again so much for listening to this show. I cannot thank you enough. Now, uh, get out there and have an awesome New Year's. Or if you're listening to this after New Year's, hopefully you had a great New Year's. Uh, Hopefully you didn't drive drunk. Be safe, everyone. Take an Uber or something. And uh, I will see you guys in 2016.